Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music, the podcast sharing the tales and careers of modern singular voices in music. They just all happen to be female. I'm your host, Millie Cotton, and for this week's episode, I spoke to singer-songwriter and poet Arlo Parks. Growing up in southwest London, half Nigerian, a quarter Chadian, and a quarter French, Arlo Parks learned to speak French before English. She's always been introspective. As a child, she'd write short stories and create fantasy worlds, later journaling and then obsessing over spoken word poetry. Fast forward to 2020 and Arlo Parks has announced the release of her debut album, Collapse in Sunbeams, which is to be released on Transgressive Records on the 29th of January next year. She has graced the cover of Evening Standard magazine, NME and Dork magazine, as well as being included in the 2020 Days 100 list. Arlo Parks has performed standout shows for Colours in NPR's Tiny Desk series and was one of only three artists to perform at Glastonbury this year. She was recently asked by Phoebe Bridges to accompany her for a Radio 1 piano session, where the pair performed a cover of Radiohead's Fake Plastic Trees. Arlo Parks is, without a doubt, one of the most exciting new artists at the moment, and it's such a privilege to have her on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode and thanks for listening. This year you've been named BBC's Introducing Artist, you finished your album, and you played Glastonbury. Well, I mean, as much as Glastonbury happened. You've had such a such a strong year for a year where a lot of people haven't really been doing a lot or have felt quite stagnant. What's that experience been like for you? I think it's been interesting because it's been surreal, really, to be able to connect with people and have, like, a tangible positive effect on people's lives especially in a time like this feels really special um it is strange to kind of juggle that um my career kind of expanding and then with you know like the personal reality of like being in lockdown because I'm just at home you know like playing Scrabble with my dad and just like reading books but then doing all this amazing cool stuff and as you say playing Glastonbury and and having you know people that I really look up to reach out and tell me how much they appreciate my music as well so it's been interesting having that that double life as it were but yeah it's been amazing what would you say your most memorable experience has been um for me I think it was probably uh shooting the the Gucci content so one of the things that I did was you know co-direct my first video which was amazing and it was inspired a lot by like Wes Anderson and the Royal Tenenbaums and like a lot of one car Y films and that was amazing and then I went to Rome for the first time uh and so yeah I was I was part of this seven part series called the Gucci Overture and they had like Billie Eilish and Harry Styles and all of this like doing that so that was really surreal it was amazing that must have been so so cool to shoot how important is fashion to you is that something that you really use to express yourself would you say Definitely. I think fashion has always been very important to me. I think that my style has always been quite fluid, but in general, like quite endogenous. And I, I definitely feel like it's another method of self-expression, right? And I think my favourite part of 
of film and of like creating music videos is always with styling and getting pieces and and I used to like spend a lot of time um it like rummaging through uh you know like vintage stores and charity shops and stuff trying to find pieces uh so yeah fashion is definitely super important and it was amazing to work with Gus Van Sant as well who directed Good Will Hunting and all these amazing queer films um yeah it was a dream you live in West London, right? So you have so many good vintage shops around there. Do you have a favourite? Hmm. In Hammersmith. I feel like it's probably actually like, there's this um, Oxfam in Fulham that is like, it's like really out of the way and it's really small. So no one knows about it. And so every time I go, it's like, the. I feel like it's, it's an untouched gem, but maybe now, you know, people will be flooding to it. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it gets really good stuff as well because of the area. <laughs> mm, exactly, exactly. 17 or something so there was that sense of comfort and yeah it was a really amazing time actually I treasure that what can we expect to hear from the album is it kind of more of the same or are there any surprises that you can share mm, it's a surprise I'll keep it surprised but I'll give you a few a few little tidbits though but I I've gone down there are moments that are like more on, on the popular side of things and there are moments that go a little bit more like left that were very kind of Radiohead and Massive Attack inspired going into the trip hop world, experimenting with sampling. Um, but in terms of the actual writing, it's still very much in that um, poetry and storytelling based, very kind of sensory visual writing. Hmm. So as you said earlier, your music has provided so much comfort for so many people during a year when like we all have needed it most, I think. Um, do you think mm, that the album would have sounded slightly different had it have not been made in lockdown? I think it probably would have sounded different just because it would have been made. I probably wouldn't have had the time to have to sit with myself for weeks and weeks and really ponder like the messages and listen to albums. Um, I think it definitely would have. I think I still would have wanted to experiment in terms of the sonic palette. I would have wanted to pull from different places. So it would have been similar in that way. but 
maybe I wouldn't have thought about nostalgia so much. Maybe it wouldn't have been as introspective, you know? Who knows? Have you always been really introspective? Yeah, I think so. I think because I'm quite sensitive, but it's interesting because I'm, I'm introspective, but I'm extroverted. So like, I don't really like spending time by myself, but I'm always kind of thinking about things and thinking about things quite deeply. I'm not sure where that comes from. I guess maybe it's just my personality. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you mm. take it back, where did your songwriting start? Mm. So I think it started when I was probably about 13 or 14 and I picked up the acoustic guitar. I was really inspired by people like the Pixies and King Cole's first album and um, Frank Ocean's first album. So I was just, you know, writing songs on the acoustic guitar, experimenting with um, with garage band and just making beats on my computer. And it all just started from there. Yeah. So with your lyrics, as you said, you're very introspective and you're vulnerable. What other artists have inspired you to or encouraged you, in fact, to be vulnerable with your lyrics? Is it nerve wracking putting them out into the world sometimes? It is nerve wracking, but I think the fear of like, as you say, being almost like vulnerable, exposed to the world, I think that fear is outweighed by like the desire to help people. And all the music that has moved me in my life has been has been very kind of raw and unflinching. You know, it's been me I'm thinking about artists like um like Hope Sandoval, um, artists like Elliot Smith or uh, Nick Drake or you know even Lauren Hill um, I just love artists that in whatever musical style whatever musical bracket they operate in whatever genre who just are really truthful like you know when an artist feels really transparent and honest I really like that hmm. why do you think that's so important to be honest and transparent I think just because that's the if you're being honest and truthful that's the only way that you can kind of connect to other people in an honest truthful way you know if you're talking about things that are important to you and things that move you things that hurt you things you love and that's the only way that you can really connect to people emotionally and I don't know I think to me it's also just natural like it's not something that I ever sat down and was like I'm going to be vulnerable now it's just kind of the way that I I like to write. You're uh, an ambassador for Calm as well how did that come about? Yeah, so I had been doing um, a few live streams, uh, you know, fundraising live streams for Calm, and I'd written some poetry, and they reached out to me, and I just felt like their mission of, you know, providing free support to people who were going through mental health crises and people who are in low moments, it just aligns so much with what I want to do with my music, you know, taking care of people, like trying to help the healing process and making sure people don't feel alone in what they're going through. Um, so yeah, I felt really blessed to be picked for that. So is that the person that you imagine that your music is speaking to generally on a day-to-day -day basis, kind of the person who might need help or might need to find solace in music? I guess, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there are there are songs of mine in particular that do kind of centre on the idea of mental health. Uh, and from the people that have reached out to me, you know, on social media and such, it has felt like you know people are genuinely like as you say finding solace in what I'm doing which is really yeah it's really moving to hear that and people from all ages people from all over the world hmm. that's yeah an amazing thing to be able to bring so many people together 
especially at the moment when we're all just mm. so apart. I read an interview where you said you've learned to DJ in lockdown. So I'm super interested in this because I DJ. Yeah. So that's that's like what I do. And what kind of music have you been DJing? Oh, nice. I am like, I just love techno so much. And everyone's always surprised when I say this, but it's... I wasn't expecting that I know, that I, know. I know, I know. I know. That's so funny. I know. So, um, so I've been DJing a lot of that and I've been DJing a lot of like house music as well just because it's, I guess it's easier to start off with because you have to worry about like changing keys or anything it's just like a little bit smoother but yeah I've just been doing that in my spare time because one of my close friends is a DJ as well but she does more kind of what people will probably expect me to do so more kind of like funk hip-hop soul but I'm just there like I'm just like more bass <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so can we expect some um some dj sets from you next year because you know how a lot of um people like dj their after parties and stuff oh 100 yes yes mate i i think it's gonna be quite a jarring like you know a jarring uh discrepancy between my like set and then the dj after party bar it's part of the magic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it sounds so, so good. What about you? Um, what are your plans? What, do, what stuff do you oh, do? Oh, I mean, I've, I've not really been... House music. No. Really. no. And um, disco. No. I love disco. Like, new Fire. disco. Mm. Yeah. I was expecting you to say dancehall, to be honest. Not going to lie. Like, I don't know why. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are your plans for next year? That you like? So I saw that you've booked um, Great Escape. So that's really exciting. Uh, have you got other things booked in that you can share? Yeah, um, so I mean, if all goes well, I'll be touring the UK and Europe kind of April, June time. Um, I'm also hoping to do, you know, playing some festivals, so hopefully playing Melt. Um, there are a few more in the works as well. But uh, I think the main, the main thing hopefully is gonna be able to touring this album, like going to the States, going to other countries uh, and being able to play live i really also want to uh finish this poetry collection and publish that hopefully 
um, and doing a little bit of acting work here and there, which is exciting. But yeah, mainly, I'm just going to play as many, like if we can do festivals, I'm literally, every single one, I'll literally play in, like, in someone's garden. Like I don't care, I miss it so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, festival season. It was weird having a summer without festival season, wasn't it? Mm. It's like we didn't even have a summer. It was just so strange. Mm. So, so weird. Yeah, so fingers crossed that next year we can do festival season. Mm, fingers crossed. Um, who are other women in the industry that you admire at the moment, slash admire generally? Oh, God, there are so many. The ones that I've been really into recently, so there's this like producer called, because uh, I've been you know into DJing, I've been exploring producers as well. And like there's um the city's called Arca and the city's called Sophie that I'm obsessed with. They're great. Uh, I also really been loving, you know, Phoebe Bridges and Angel Olsen and St. Vincent and that whole kind of like alternative slash like indie scene that's coming up. Um of course I'm like obsessed with Solange because I don't know, I feel like a seat at the table is like one of my favourite albums of all time. Um and I've been also really into because I love uh, literature and, and poetry. Um, a few female poets I like, I really like um, Audre Lorde and Pat Parker talk a lot about like being a queer woman of colour. Um, and yeah, I've been also like a fan of Sylvia Plath since I was young, which is quite predictable, I guess, but I love her. Uh, and in terms of young women as well, like I've been so gassed about the fact that like there are so many people, you know, so many women in their early twenties coming up making such a range of music. As I discovered uh, Ravina the other day, um, who makes kind of quite gooey, like R&B, psychedelic music. Of course, like Claro is just like, just such a gem. Uh, and it's really pushing boundaries in terms of pop music. That's not really, I could talk about it for hours, man. That's why when people say they're like, oh, you know, like in the lineup for festivals, and they're like, oh, there just aren't enough like women. I'm just like, it's not true. Like, it's just not the truth. Um, there's so many amazing women out there. Have you seen that Instagram page where they take away the um, the males from the lineups and it leaves the women and sometimes it's blank. Oh my god! And it's just like, but there aren't enough women to. It's like it's just a load of shit, yeah, isn't it, really. Yeah. But um, you said with all these like young breaking mm. artists, there's so much more to like you and everyone else than their music. So you talk about politics, you talk mm. about mental health, like. I don't know. I don't remember seeing artists doing that when we were growing up. Does it feel like you have this responsibility to talk about stuff outside of music as well? I definitely think like there is this responsibility to be like in the world as it were. Because you know when I'm writing, it's very much about like my life and my subjective experience, my this, my that. But like I definitely feel a sense of responsibility to you know, be vocal about things that I believe in um, and, you know, try and like spread possible, sorry, spread um, positivity and spread resources and encourage people to, to, you know, seek help or, you know, if I find information about a topic, like share it to my fans. I think I always try and, um, you know, be like very careful about reading up and like doing my research before I just like go on like a rant. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I do see people just being like, ah, and then it's like, but wait, that's not actually true. Um, but I definitely think it's positive as well that artists now are, as you say, going into different mediums, not just art.
any advice to give to anyone who wanted to get their music out there? So they've been mm. songwriting for a while and they're not really getting anywhere with it or they feel mm. like they're not like getting anywhere. Visibility wise, what would your advice be? I mean, the way that I did it, so I was kind of in a similar boat when I was a, a bit younger and it felt like nothing was really happening. Like I was putting out so much material, but nothing was happening. And for me, what actually worked was I uploaded some tracks to BBC Introducing when I was like 17 years old and it's free. And like, you know, you've got nothing to lose by uploading something. And, and that can like start a little chain reaction because the radio is so important in terms of like, the, the the reach that radio has like nationally as well like you never know what can happen who could like hear something and and that could start a kind of chain reaction but i think also playing obviously not now but playing live is a big one as well um getting out to open mics and you know if you've got mates who like who are also into music just maybe trying to collaborate or trying to start your own night if there isn't one i think it's about being proactive because like it's it's hard now of course there's like the idea of going viral or like like magically but rarely it rarely happens like by magic like you have to go out and actively do it Forever, it won't hurt so much. Won't hurt so much forever, it won't hurt so much. Won't hurt so much.